0: amen yes thank you to my fan club of four or five thank you john so good to see all of you here today it's a lively bunch today aren't you i like that and i welcome you to those who are listening over the internet we have a couple of new ones from illinois who are listening over the internet today we welcome all of you From all over the nation and all around this area, too. Glad you're here in person, however. Thank you for being here today. I would say, I think you would agree with me, that our nation is obsessed with wealth. Read an article the other day about what does it take to be wealthy. Well, the article missed the whole point. But it said that according to where one lives in the United States... One must have an accumulated wealth of between 4.4 in the poorer states up to 10 million in the richer states to be considered in the top 1%, the wealthy of the wealthy. Well, the article obviously misses it. Heard another story of two bounty hunters who were looking for wolves, Sam and Jed. They went out west and they had heard that the government at the time was given $75 for the pelt of wolves. And they thought, we're going to make some money. And so Sam and Jed went to sleep by the campfire one night dreaming of all the wealth that they were going to achieve by bringing in all those wolf pelts. About the middle of the night, Jed heard something. He said, Sam, wake up! I heard something. Sam looked out into the darkness and there were about 50 to 75 pairs of glaring Eyes from wolves surrounding them. Said, Sam, you better wake up good because we're rich, son. Well, that's one way to look at it. I saw another article in a newspaper the other day that said, Rich man wants to share his secret for true wealth. Send in 1295 and he will share his secrets with you. Well, our world is long accustomed to the silly get rich quick schemes that many utilize to try to get what little money you may have. But we know we have the secret of true wealth. I often wonder how many real wealthy people we have at Pebble Creek. Well, I wonder that regularly because I want to know how many of you have discovered the secret of true wealth. Real wealth. Wealth that lasts. Wealth that takes you to a place that we've been singing about even today. I pray that if you haven't, you will discover the secret of true wealth. Because the scripture tells us that if we have the resurrected Christ in our heart and life, then we've discovered that secret. Now I will tell you, I discovered that secret as a third grade boy. Uh, I had found that I liked to go to church as a child. And I don't really know why. But I guess it's because it was a lot nicer than the house I lived in. It was much calmer. No one threw at anything. I I, I guess I didn't go to business meetings. No one had thrown anything at anybody. There was no cursing. Nobody hit anybody. And so I guess I just loved to go because it was such a kind place. It really was to me. And my parents certainly wouldn't take me. So I would ask people for rides to church. Now, some of you teenagers and young people think that's absolutely mentally insane. Why would you go if you didn't have to, right? Well, I loved it. And I would even want to go. We had Sunday night services. You ever heard of that? You ever heard of church having Sunday night services? Yeah, well, they used to. Well, I actually got a ride to church on on a Sunday night. And it was in that service toward the end of the message that I felt God tugging my heart to be saved. And I found the secret to wealth as a nine-year-old boy there at Southside Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I learned real quickly what it meant to be wealthy. Now, there was no wealth in my home financially, but I'm telling you, when Christ came into our house, we became a wealthy house. And I began to share it. Now, as a little boy, I was timid. And I've told you that before. And none of you believe it. But I've showed you my first grade report card where it says Frankie Page was shy, timid, and lacked self-confidence. I was shy, but I wanted to learn how to share my faith. So I heard of a group of older men in the church who were soul winners, and they would go out witnessing. And I, I don't know why as a nine-year-old boy I would have the temerity to do this, but I went up to these men. I said, could I go with you They said, well, sure, we'll pick you up. Okay. And so I started going out on soul winning visits with these men. And I'm telling you, I learned a lot. Now, I was frightened. I never said a word to anybody. But I listened. And I watched these men share the gospel with their lost friends and people with whom they had come in contact. And I saw grown men be saved. I saw families change. I saw people come to know, what does it mean to be wealthy? Oh, I saw it, and I learned. And so I grew up thinking, well, I not only have wealth, I want to share that wealth. Well, that's what our passage is about today. So turn with me to John 21. Now, scholars have long argued and wondered, why is there a chapter 21? Well, anybody that grew up in a church knows that's because God wanted it to be there, right? But many people say, you know, it, just, it should have ended at chapter 20 because it ends with a glorious resurrection and the disciples' faith changing from fear to confidence, from unbelief to belief. Why not just end it there? Well, obviously, God did want it there for a reason. And many postulate that the reason is because Peter was not mentioned in chapter 20, was he? Peter, who earlier had denied our Lord Jesus, how many times? Three times. It's key that you remember that. And so chapter 21 is there. So you'll know what happened to Simon Peter, the impetuous one. If you watched the series that I've encouraged you to watch or commanded you to watch, yeah, it's real good to command anybody to do anything in a Baptist church. But I've asked you to watch The Chosen, remember? And you've seen Peter Exampled in that series of uh, TV shows Powerfully as a man who was A fighter, a brawler, a fisherman But one who was impetuous Was always saying things he probably should not have said He was always the first to raise his hand in the class I know, I know Even when he didn't know Maybe the reason is because we want to see what happened to Peter, because as you open up the gospel, excuse me, the book of Acts, one finds in the first ten to twelve chapters, Peter is the main character. now Paul takes over and pushes Peter out, but you got to wonder why was he so prominent in the early church? Well, it's because of what happened in john twenty one now it's a long passage. we're not going to focus on the first part as much as we focus on the latter part, but look with me to john twenty one and we will see who's really rich and why he was rich. Look at verse 21, uh, verse 1 of chapter 21. It says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. What is the Sea of Tiberias? Sea of Galilee, also called Knesset, but it's the Sea of Galilee. He appears again by the sea of Tiberias he revealed himself in this way look at number uh, verse 2 Simon Peter Thomas called twin talked about him last week remember you're his twin the doubter Nathanael from Cana of Galilee Zebedee's sons and two others of his disciples were together I'm going fishing Simon Peter said to them well why a lot of people ask why did he want to go well that's what he had always done as a as a vocation and so, why not? Got to have something to do. Got to have something to put food on the table. We're going fishing. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. How many of you ever been on a fishing trip like that? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I have too. Bores a man to death, let me just tell you. They caught nothing. Verse 4. When daybreak came, easy for me to say, Jesus stood on the shore. However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Men, Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? Stop right there. Was he making fun of them? Maybe. I I like to make fun of fishermen who never fish and never catch anything. Spend thousands of dollars on these boats and these rigs and come back with nothing. Oh, that was expensive, wasn't it? You don't have any fish, do you? Well, it's because they went without him. No, they answered. and Then Jesus says in verse 6, Cast the net on the right side of the boat. He told them, and you will find some. So they did. And they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Well, they fished all night. Why would you tell us to put it over there? We've been fishing over here. Okay. Now, verse 7, Therefore the disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, what's his name? John said to Peter, It is the Lord. See what happens when you take Jesus on your fishing trip. See what happens when you let Him get involved in your business, in your family. See what happens when you bring Jesus along, do what He says. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him for he was stripped and plunged into the sea. But since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, some of you would have drowned in that short a distance. The other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire with fish lying on it and bread. Somebody's already been fishing, but Jesus was successful, right? Now, if you go with me to Israel, they eat fish for breakfast. Now, I'm not going to eat fish for breakfast. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to do it. I'll eat cereal. I'll eat whatever they got, but I'm not eating fish for breakfast. But they did. And then Jesus says in verse 10, Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter got up, hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Don't you love the specificity, showing the validity of this account? Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Now look at this. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Well, feed my lambs, he told him. A second time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. So he asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well, he was grieved. Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Look at verse 18. I assure you that when you were young you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify by what kind of death he would glorify God. And after saying this he told him follow me. This early Christian was confronted by the Lord. But he was not only confronted he was commissioned. Today you'll be confronted by the Lord. But you'll also be commissioned by the Lord. You remember the story I told you as a third grade boy? I was called by the Lord to be his child. But I was commissioned to be a fisher of men. And I tried to do that. But there are three things quickly I want you to see. But remember this is important. Because you've got to understand what's happening. What had happened in Peter's life. What is happening. There had been a public denial. So there needs to be a time for public restoration. Restoration. Did you hear me? There had been public denial and there needs to be public restoration. First of all, note the question which Jesus asked Peter. What did he say? He said, Simon, son of John, verse 15. Do you love me more than these? Well, what did he mean? Don't know. Scholars are debate uh, are divided over the debate as to what he meant. Was he referring to the physical things surrounding them? Peter, do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than the fishing nets? Do you love me more than the boat? Do you love me more than the material things of life? Our world is obsessed with material wealth. Peter, do you love me more than the stuff of life? And I think he's asking us today the same thing. He's confronting us. Do you love me more than the stuff that you're killing yourself to get? Do you love me more than these? Do you? But maybe he meant something else. You see, once before, recorded over in Mark 14, 29, I think, Peter had made a grand statement when he said, Jesus, though all may be offended of thee, never will I. Everybody may leave you, Jesus, but old Pete, you can count on me. I'll never leave you. Well, what had happened prior to the trial and during the time at Caiaphas' house, we know Peter had denied Jesus, did not even knowing him, had cursed, saying, I don't know that man. Once, twice, three times. Do you love me more than these other disciples, Peter? Remember your grand statements. Do you love me more than these other guys do, Peter? He was broken hearted and he said, Lord, you know that I love you. I think Jesus still asks us the question today, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? We're so afraid that if we allow the Lord to do what he wants to do to give us the true wealth of a resurrected Savior and a resurrected life, we're so afraid that he's going to change us. Praise God he does change us. But some of us are afraid of that. And we say, well, I don't want to give my full life to Christ because he'll change me. Yes, he will. Praise God, you need changing. But maybe Peter just failed to understand that by giving ourselves to the Lord, we have riches beyond compare and we become sated and satisfied with what we have. But he wants us to have so much more in the Lord. He wants us to grow to levels we've never grown before. He really wants us to know him. So he continues to ask us, even this morning, in 2021, do you love me? Do you love me? He's asking that. He is confronting you today and wants to know, do you love him? Years ago, in the 90s, in fact, I was asked to go to a place, and it was one of the greatest weeks of my life, I... Had a friend who was a colonel at the time in the army. Was spending a year at the U.S. Army War College. It's up in Yankee land. It's in Carlisle Barracks, Pennsylvania. Okay, Civil War buffs. Anybody here like to study the Civil War? Well, if you do, you're mentally ill like me. That's the furthest most advance of southern troops ever. Three days, four days, excuse me, before Gettysburg, they went into Carlisle Barracks. Pennsylvania came back down into Gettysburg has nothing to do with what I'm saying, but I was invited to go for a week called National Security Week, it was I thought it was a big deal. I loved it got to go to all these classes with all colonels or generals from all over the world. It was cool. I mean it was cool I, I thought I was going to get in a fight one night though because. Bring me back to my subject. I'm going to come back to this in just a minute. But anyway, we had a reception, and this one dude had a bottle of vodka, and he poured everybody a shot. And he said, here's what we're going to drink tonight, and if you don't drink it, you're not a man. Well, that didn't set real well with me. Well, I don't drink alcohol. I've done a lot of other terrible things in my life, but I've never done that. But I thought, I'm not drinking that primarily because of what he just said. I don't have a lot of backup in me. I got to tell you that. And that's got me in trouble before. But anyway, so he's pouring everybody's shot. He comes to me. I I held my cup back, my cup of Coke. And I said, no, I going to do it. He looked at me. I could see the challenge in his eyes. And then he realized, I better just leave this alone. And I said, I'm not going to drink it, but I'm still a man. He just went right on to the next people. But anyway, during that week, it was a great week, my colonel friend loaned me a piece of junk to drive to the hotel and back in every day. It was an old international something. It was broken down, but I loved it. It was an old old jalopy. Well, there was a guy, a tall African-American guy that was at the hotel with me, and he would ride back and forth every day. And uh, about midway of the week, I noticed people kept asking for his autograph. And so toward the end of the week, I said, John, what's the deal here? Why is everybody asking for your autograph? He said, well, I used to play a little football. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, were you any good? He said, well, I was all right. So I was so ignorant. See, I said, well, who'd you play for? He said, Pittsburgh. I said, well, if you didn't play for Dallas Cowboys, I don't care nothing about it. Then I looked down and I saw four diamonds on a ring that John Stallworth helped lead them four times to Super Bowl victories. I said, John... Again, if you didn't play for Dallas, I don't, get really, I don't care much about it. All I want to know, John Stallworth, is do you love Jesus? He said, Frank, I love him with all my heart. And I serve him at the so-and-so Hunter Street something missionary Baptist church in Birmingham, Alabama, no, Huntsville, Alabama. And he an owns an engineering firm there. I said, John, that's all I care about. Do you love him? That's the question that he still asks us today. Second, however, quickly, I want to move on because I want you to see how often he asks the question. And I want to teach you a little Greek today. You see, in English, we have difficult time expressing the nuances of certain words. For example, in English, we have the word love. And let me just tell you, you, did you, when you were a little boy or a little girl, send a note to somebody in school and say, I love you, do you love me? If you do, drop your pencil or something silly like that. Well, I assure you that the love you felt for that crush in third grade or fourth grade is a whole lot different than your understanding of love now, right? Of course it is very different. And today, we, but we have to use the same word. I love my dog, I love my wife, I love, well, I don't have a dog. I love my dog, I love my wife, I love my church. All those things have different meanings because of the context, Right? But in Greek, there are many words for love. It's a very expressive language. Some of you learned this before. There's the word that we often hear, the word agape love. There are agape churches and agape this and agape that. It's a beautiful word. It means God's kind of love. It means love without end, limit, condition. It's a It's a God kind of love. It is possible for a believer to have that kind of love. It's not possible for a non-believer to have it. It's a love that's unconditional. It's a love without end, limit, condition. You hear me? And that's found throughout Scripture. When uh, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, the word used in the Greek text is agape. By the way, do you know what word Jesus used when he said, Peter, do you love me more than these? He used the word agape. Do you love me more than these, Peter? Do you love me without end, limit, condition? Do you love me with God's kind of love, Peter? I need to know. Do you love me that way? There's another Greek word. Oh, by the way, there's several. There's eros, which is not found in the Bible. Sexual love or... uh, Marriage kind of love. There's a word storge, which means uh, it's a family love that you have within the family for brothers and sisters. There are a number of Greek words in classical literature. But in the New Testament, only two words are used. And that is agape and phileo. Phileo, from which we get the word filial love. Uh, There's a city, I got a text this morning from an African-American pastor friend of mine who I love with all my heart. And he serves in East Philadelphia, the city of Phileo, brotherly love. You ever been to the east side of Philadelphia? Let me just tell you, there's not a lot of brotherly love there. I was preaching there one time, heard some noise. said, what's that? He said, that was a gunshot. I said, oh, really? Sounds kind of like where I grew up. But uh, anyway, drive-by shootings all the time. The city of brotherly love is not really a brotherly love kind of place. But that's the word phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O. Jesus says, Peter, I need to ask you a question, son. Do you love me more than these? Peter responds back and says, in the Greek, you can't even see it in this text, Lord, you know I love you as a brother. What? That's not what Jesus asked. Jesus said, do you love me with God's kind of love, Peter? I need to know it. And Peter said, I love you as a brother. Feed my sheep, son. Second time. Note that Peter didn't even answer Jesus' first question about more than these. So Jesus drops it. Okay, I'm going to come down to your level, Peter. Do you Agape, love me. Do you love me, Peter? I think Peter's voice began to shake. And he said, Lord, you know I love you as a brother. What's happening here? Gone, gone is the impetuous braggadocio. You know what braggadocio means? I won the fifth grade spelling bee with that word. Had no idea what it was, just made up the spelling and won the spelling bee. It, mean one, it means one who brags, one who is, has hubris or arrogance. It's one who just thinks too much of himself. And that used to be Peter, but now it's gone. He's a broken man. Because of what he had done in denying our Lord Jesus. And so Jesus comes back the second time and says, Peter, do you love me with God's kind of love? Do you, son? Okay, I'm not going to make answer the more than these. Lord, you know I love you as a brother. He says, Shepherd my sheep. And then there's a third time. You know what Jesus asked him? Peter. Do you even love me as a brother? Jesus used the word that Peter seemed to be intent on using, the phileo love, which is a high kind of love. It's a beautiful kind of love. Peter, do you love me like that? Peter's broken. He's broken. Because of his failure. And all my friends, we all ought to be broken by our failures. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. You know I love you. Follow me. Well, he was cut to the heart. No doubt the fact that Jesus asked him three times reminded him of the fact that he had denied the Lord Jesus three times. It says in John 18, as we saw, and immediately the rooster crowed. We must ask ourselves today, how do we love him? Do we love him as a friend do we love him as someone who makes us feel special on Sunday mornings and then we forget him for the rest of the week? Or do we, like Peter, denied him sometimes by not acting as we should, sometimes by not sharing him as we ought? Have we denied him with our very lives? How do you love me, Jesus asked. Not just do you love me. I want to know how. Do you love me with God's kind of love without end limit condition? Peter at least was honest enough to say, Okay, Lord, you know everything. And you know I failed you. I'm not even going to pretend anymore to love you perfectly. Because I know I don't. I've shown you I do not. I want to, but I don't. Quickly and last, see what love brought to Peter. First of all, love brought Peter a task. Love brought a task to him. What did Jesus kept, after he would ask the question, he would get the retort. He would come back and say, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, follow me. Feed my sheep, excuse me, in the latter part of verse 17. And then follow me. What is the work of a shepherd? The work of a shepherd is to lead the flock, right? It is to protect the flock. It is to feed the flock. It is to grow the flock, God says, I'm giving you a job, Peter. I want you to be my shepherd and help the people. And so God calls all of us, I believe, not just preachers, but all of us to be shepherds. And that means to lead people in the right way. It means to help them grow. I want you to learn how to lead people to Christ and then help help new Christians grow in the Lord. That's the work of the shepherd didn't he say it to us in Acts 1.8? But after that you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Judea, Jerusalem and Judea. All Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. And he said in the latter part of, jo- of Matthew chapter 28. That we're to go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God has called us to be winners of souls. Fishers of men and women. And he's called us to be people who will help grow them in the Lord. He said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep, Peter. There's an old Pentecostal preacher, he's been dead for decades now, named Leonard Ravenhill. Funny, wrote a lot of great things. He tells a story of a group of tourists who were, touring through Europe and they were walking from village to village and one tourist looked at this old uh, beat up man who was sitting along the roadside and he condescendingly said to him sir were there any great men born in this village? the old man chuckled and said no, only babies were born in this village (laughs) I like that, don't you? let me just tell you something you don't grow up in the Lord overnight You don't become a great man or a great woman automatically. somebody got to help you. And that ought to be the work of Pebble Creek Baptist Church, helping people take them from where they are to where God wants them to be. He gave him a task, but quickly he gave him a cross. Verses 18 and 19 show that love brought to Peter a cross. He said, by this I'm going to tell you, Peter, you follow me. And you're going to die. Now how many of you would sign up for an organization where you say, Come on, sign up! And then you're going to die. And I'm going to tell you how you're going to die. People are going to take you where you don't want to go. And they're going to end your life, Peter. You ready to sign up for that? Love brought Peter across. Yes, tradition, Catholic tradition, primarily tells us that he died. Crucified upside down. We don't know that scripturally, but it could have happened. We do believe every one of the disciples died a martyr's death for their Lord Jesus. But you see, love brings responsibility. And sometimes love brings sacrifice. It's the work of God to follow Him, even if it means to suffering. Now, Peter, as you read in the first few chapters of the book of Acts went on to prove his love for the Lord in a powerful way. He really became the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. Okay, it wasn't Baptist, but you know I make things up. But he became the leader of the early church in Jerusalem. He went on to prove himself. Gone was the arrogance. But in its place was a desire to say, Lord, for the rest of my life, I'm going to live in such a way that I want to get to the point where I can say I love you with agape love. Without end, without limit, and no conditions Ask, Isn't it amazing that despite Peter's miserable performance in the past, God said, I'm not done with you. Isn't that the message we all need to hear? I heard of an old country boy from East Tennessee who got a... Maybe it was Eastern North Carolina... But he got a letter from the draft board years ago. Had all kinds of questions. He just sent a letter back. Said, I don't understand all these here questions. But I'm ready when you are. Well, that's what the Lord wants. I may not understand everything He wants me to do. But I'm ready. Even if it means that I'm going to sacrifice. Well, I believe Jesus wants to know today, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I believe he wants to know, how do you love him? How? As a fair-weather friend? as somebody just makes you feel good once in a while? Or is the Savior and Lord of your life? I don't think he wants part-time partners anymore. He wants somebody to follow him fully, even to the point of giving up their life for him. It was an important question for Peter. It's an important question for you and me today, isn't it? Do you love him? Do you love him? Do you love him? How do you love him? Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you today and I thank you for the honesty of the scripture. I thank you that, God, you continue to use us even when we failed you. That in spite of our past, you say, I got a job for you, son. I got a job for you, daughter. God, I pray that right now we would express and reaffirm our love for you. Oh, Father, may we seek you. May we you.